I'm Emily Jackson, and this is She's Running, the podcast dedicated to talking to women who are running for office locally, nationally, and everything in between. I watched one of the greatest movies of all time this weekend, Dead Poets Society. My husband had never seen it before, and I honestly can't believe that I hadn't strapped him to the couch and made him watch it Clockwork Orange style. Anyway, we watched it. It was fantastic, as I remembered it being, and he is now converted to the cult. Also, what inspiration? Seriously, if you haven't watched it in a while, go do that now. It's so much more than, oh, Captain, my captain. I mean, of course, that's a great scene. One of the best, in my opinion. But the idea of carving your own path, not blindly going with the flow, but asking questions, seeking truth, your truth, not the truth that's assumed, of waking up and actually living your life. Ugh, love it. Love it. So, as fate would have it, this theme actually works amazingly well with this week's episode. Today's guest, Corey Johnson, whose birthday was actually this weekend, so happy birthday, Corey, is running as an independent for delegate in Virginia, definitely carving her own path. And you're in Virginia, right? Correct. So I've only driven through Virginia. I grew up in the, the southeast United States. Mm-hmm. But the, the main thing anytime somebody says Virginia or they're from Virginia is my mother-in-law is kind of obsessed with Virginia and how beautiful it is. Oh, yeah. So anytime like we're watching TV with her or she sees something about Virginia, she's like, oh, it's so beautiful there. It is. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. It's incredible. So I know she's going to listen to this and be like, did you talk about how beautiful it is? Why didn't you talk about how beautiful it is? <laughs> it is. We've got um, pretty much anything you want. We've got mountains. There's beach. There's lakes. I mean, it's it's amazing. <laughs> Have, did you grow up in Virginia? Uh, no, actually, I grew up in California in mm-hmm. an area really similar in that I was an hour from the beach and an hour from the mountains. So this oh, is, nice. yeah, a nice little settle. But I've actually been in Virginia for, uh, gosh, 12 years now. And okay. I moved away from California when I was 18. So I'm quickly approaching having been in Virginia longer than anywhere else in my life. So yeah, uh, it's about as home as home gets. <laughs> Well, we should probably introduce you here officially. Okay. So who are you and for what are you running? I am Corey Johnson and I am running for the 97th District Delegate Seat. Okay. So for those of us who don't know what a delegate is, do you want to explain? (laughs) Yes. A delegate um, started back in Pocahontas time in the Jamestown when everybody was first you know, doing the whole genocide over here, (laughs) at least on this uh, half of the country, you know, (laughs) we didn't invent it. The Spanish did it in on the West too, but you know, we aren't going to be outdone. So, um, so around, yeah. (laughs) So around, around, um, you know, early genocidal times, they had, um, something called the house of Burgesses, which is Mm -hmm. basically, um, kind of like a mini version of Congress. So, the idea is when state legislation is being done, you should have somebody, a part of that, who is representing regular people so that regular people don't get run over by career politicians. Mm-hmm. However, um, it is my opinion, and I'm not the only one with this opinion, that it has become inundated with career politicians anyway. It is a part-time legislation 
there's only a few months out of the year that um, delegates go do their delegate thing. The rest of the time, they're regular citizens. Now, of course, they're supposed to be doing outreach and um, voter education and stuff, but it is literally officially a part-time job. And they make okay. like 17000 and some change. So it was specifically designed not to be for rich people. Mm -hmm. But somehow it is soaked with rich people now who don't have to work another job. And um, they get so much campaign funds that they can just live off of. So I think it's fair to say that uh, the current House of Delegates is a far cry from the actual definition that you would find in a textbook. Mm-hmm. But that's, yeah, that's the general, uh, my opinion, tainted in there with the facts. <laughs> <laughs> um, I read an interesting article about you and your decision to run. Mm -hmm. So you emailed your current representative mm -hmm. and weren't too happy with his response. Is that true? That's absolutely true. Okay. <laughs> Almost word for word, actually, <laughs> from when the uh, the writer was interviewing me. Um so I didn't email him. This was a Facebook conversation. Now, I okay. had been looking for him for some time. Um, like many of us, November 8th was a horrific day. So right. we all went charging out to save the world. And mm -hmm. so I went looking for my representatives. He... I don't know what, maybe Google was broken that day or something, but <laughs> there was just no way of finding him online. And so I went looking for Facebook. Look, I finally found him and he was, um, it says he's Republican. You know, that's like all the information you really get is the, mm -hmm. the one little letter next to their name. But as you know, I'm running as an independent. So I approached this with a very open mind. I looked at his voting record and I saw some things that were actually not very Republican of him. So I thought to myself, hey, maybe there's hope. Maybe he's one of these people that, you know, is, is running as a Republican, is with the Republican Party because of all the political games, but he's really a moderate. So I thought, you know, let's give this guy the benefit of the doubt and, you know, how can I help? So I looked on his Facebook page to see what's his most recent, because his, his um, web page, like many political websites, are just kind of generic, kissing babies and, and look at my beautiful white family. And um, <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm sorry, the, the political stereotypes are just, I can't not make fun of them. It's really, oh, yeah. well, <laughs> God, oh my gosh, it's, uh, I have three babies of my own. I don't need to go around kissing them. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to get some more actual substance out of what this guy is all about. So um, where, as, you know, in recent history, where do politicians go blab least controllably but social media? So mm -hmm. I found him on Facebook and I saw a post that was labeled refugee data. And... I thought, okay, finally somebody has data on refugees, not just hysteria and, you know, assumptions. So I clicked mm -hmm. on this this file that he had posted, and it wasn't data at all. It was resources for refugees, like Catholic charities and stuff. So I thought to myself, oh, maybe okay. he's actually really compassionate towards refugees, and this was kind of his, like, towing the line sort of way of expressing compassion but being very bland about it by calling it data right so i asked him um and i don't 
remember verbatim, but I, I asked him, okay, so what are your feelings on the attempted travel ban executive order? And, and you asked this on like on Facebook Messenger. Oh yeah. This was on no okay, this wasn't cool. Messenger. This was public for the whole world to see. Oh, okay. And um, I just commented on the post there because it was right underneath his refugee data that wasn't data. And his response was like hostile. He said, hmm. well, what's your response or what's your um, opinion? Have you read the, the order in its entirety? And are you familiar with all the applicable case law? And I said, well, uh, maybe you could give me the link where I could read it. I'd be happy to mm -hmm. read it. And uh, how about the case law, too? Well, he gave me a link that was to the wrong executive order. First of all, it was hmm. from Fox News. Instead of sending me, like, the White House document, <laughs> he sent me the link to Fox News, where Fox News posted it. So, okay, whatever, he sent it to me. Well, it was the wrong executive order. He sent me the executive order that was about internal immigration, the whole so-called sanctuary cities fiasco. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, I read it in its entirety, so I responded and said, well, that's not the order that I was looking for, uh, but since you bring it up, under Section 8B, how exactly do you feel about the federal government dictating policy to our local law enforcement? I can only gather that he didn't expect me to read it, because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's just, you know, let's talk about this one next. Um yeah, uh, God forbid he had, you know, an informed constituent who wanted to have oh, an actual discussion. Oh, right. So, oh, yeah. And, and at some point in there, he had tried to dodge the question again and said, well, I'm not an immigration attorney, as if that matters. Mm -hmm. After like the third time I asked the question and he dodged it, I just kind of gave up. Well, then when he finally answered uh, my question about the incorrect order, which he did send me, he responded with like a paragraph of legal jargon and mm -hmm. I thought really you couldn't just give me a straight answer and he was very clearly trying to talk over my head and I thought wow so first of all he's assuming that I don't read um, and now he is trying to talk over my head I, I was just fed up at that point um, I had been tossing around the idea of running anyway and doing all the things that you know women are too ingrained and cultured to do of yeah, but, yeah, but, mm -hmm. and don't want to draw attention to myself and all that. And then after this, I said, okay, I'm not letting this go. Uh, we can't, this is not acceptable to me. Um, mm -hmm. He has no business representing me. So furthermore, uh, he also was in the news that um, more so than other delegates spends his campaign funds on lavish vacations and such. Mm -hmm. So that kind of furthered the whole all right, this person can't represent me anymore. And he's been running mostly unopposed for the last decade. Wow. And yeah. So that's why I wasn't going to sit around and wait for somebody else to step up. I said, this, this isn't going to fly. Not happening. So why are you running as an independent instead of a Democrat? That was a difficult decision. Well, first of all, I guess the obvious part is that I'm not actually a Democrat. So that helps. Mm -hmm. But ideally... I think we need to be unified. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of people voted for Donald Trump because they didn't like their options. Every single time we vote, I hear so many people saying they're all crooked politicians. Who cares? You know, it's just one crook mm -hmm. or another crook, two sides of the same crooked coin. And nobody's actually taking responsibility for their options. And 
there's a, a lack of hope in the process. So I think that I think that we need the opportunity to be fluid. And by fluid, I don't mean flip floppy. I mean not sucked into group think. So I'm seeing a lot of partisan politics at the local level, at the state level, and it's getting in the way at this point in our history, it's getting in the way more than it's actually helping. And mm -hmm. there's a time and a place for everything. I think the time and the place now, if we want to see real change, is to let go of everything that we've been holding on to so dearly that's no longer serving us. And one of those things is the pattern of of political parties. So, mm -hmm. you know, go big or go home. I'm not just running to, to get elected. <laughs> I'm running to change the way politics are done entirely. And part of that is that um, I want to change the way campaign finances are done entirely. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, go big or go home. If I'm going to change things, I'm going to radically change things. And I think the best way to do that is to really take that leap and step into the middle and say, you know, join me in the middle. That there are things I disagree with from both parties, but I also don't believe in a two-party system. So yeah. I'm not looking to start a new political party. I'm looking to uh, lead. And leaders don't stick with their club and vote the way their friends vote to try to gain points. Mm -hmm. That's where leadership turns to politics, and there needs to be a balance. That's interesting. I feel like our, you know, the younger generation coming up is less Democrat and Republican and more liberal and conservative mm -hmm. and just on issues like I am, you know, I'm very liberal on this issue, but I'm more conservative on this issue rather right. than I'm straight up Republican or I'm straight up Democrat. Right. And also, you know, strategically, I think that if I had chosen a party, I think that would have hurt me at the polls also uh, yeah. because there are so many people that are opposed. I mean, I not met many people who are strictly Republican, but it's cool. I love Democrats. Like if you're strictly uh -huh. Republican, then it's like, screw all the Democrats and right. vice versa. All the Democrats are like, oh my God, the Republicans. And <laughs> it's, I feel, I, I gotta say, I can sympathize, but that, that label is preventing the very conversations that we need to have to find what we have in common. So mm -hmm. if I approach somebody and say, hey, I'm running for delegate as a Democrat, then they're like, oh, you're a Democrat? I already know what you're all about. Right. But when I say, hey, I'm running as an independent, then they kind of look at me sideways and go, independent, huh? So what does that <laughs> mean exactly? Yeah. Let's talk and about issues. I'm like, yeah, um, <laughs> let me tell you what that means. And, and then they're like, oh, yeah, well... Well, how do you feel about abortion? And I say, I'm so glad you asked. And we get to have a discussion. Whereas if I came with a label, then I would have been shut down before it even started. Right. So let's go back to this campaign finance issue, because you are running as an independent, which mm -hmm. means you won't have the backing of either Democratic or Republican campaign help. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that you are coming at this without that financial backing and you're still uh -huh. taking on this uh, money system. Oh, yeah. Well, like I said, go big or go home. Part of the reason <laughs> <laughs> part of the reason why I'm running is because this is one of the things that I see wrong with our political system. And mm -hmm. from my conversations with uh, political organizations and fellow candidates, 
when they measure the success of a campaign, they often measure it in dollars. And these are even from the revolutionary people who want to change the world. They're still mm -hmm. measuring their success in dollars. And uh, when they talk about the outcome of a campaign, it's usually, well, yeah, but they got outspent. Yes. Well, yeah. Really? Like, is, is that really how we should be choosing our leaders? I see it as a job interview. And yes, you have to dress nice to a job interview and look like you, you know, have money to spend on your clothes. But you don't go into a job interview saying, I'm super rich and I don't need this job. <laughs> uh, you know? <laughs> so if we want corruption out of politics, why are we encouraging corruption by measuring it in dollars? It's, mm -hmm. it's like these people who are revolutionary and want to change things and want to do good are literally being given corrupt tools to work with. So I believe that most politicians started off wanting to do good but mm -hmm. as i said it's a part-time gig for a delegate you can't continue to feed your family on seventeen thousand dollars a year so some of the donors will kick in a little bit extra and essentially give you campaign funds so that you can afford to be a full-time legislator and still feed your family but then when you go to vote in a way that affects them guess who you're going to be loyal to so it's a it's a tricky line. We we need money so that we can get our, our voices out there only because everybody else is doing that. So I'm, like I said, go big or go home, stepping out and doing it as cheaply as I can and not asking for corporate donations so that I can say, look, we don't need it. It's not necessary. I think that I can win against somebody who has a quarter million dollars just sitting around because too many people are fed up with elitists telling them how to live their life, who have no concept of what it is to live paycheck to paycheck, telling these people who live paycheck to paycheck how their lives should go. That's just utter lunacy. So when I'm delegate, one of the first bills that I'm gonna propose is to end treasury for the House of Delegates. Like not fix it, end it. Wow. Yeah, there's no reason to raise a whole bunch of money for your district. There's not a district in Virginia that is so vast that you need a plane or a hotel room to travel. You can drive anywhere in any district. Mm -hmm. There's no reason to be putting a whole bunch of commercials and mailers. All these things that people are spending money on is manipulative advertising. It's one-way communication where the candidates are spewing their bias at consumers, basically, treating them like consumers, not like intelligent human beings, and trying to sway them one way or the other. That's how campaigns are successful based on their dollar amounts. So if we end the treasury, campaign treasury, then have the Department of Elections publish a booklet whenever there's an election and give each candidate, registered candidates, say a thousand words or less to give their pitch to the people and let that booklet be the mm -hmm. only publication. So no more manipulative advertising, no more obnoxious baby kissing, no more <laughs> smear campaigns, just the facts and just your, your thousand word pitch. And then 
if you want to get an edge as a candidate, you should be going out and doing town hall meetings and attending community events and going to community organizations and communicating with people that way so that there's just as much an opportunity for the people to speak to you back and you're not just spewing information at them. Well, that is obviously a crazy idea. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, it's utter lunacy. Like, like, how did we ever survive as a country before billionaires and corporations and crooked politicians? I mean, how did we eat? Oh, right. We killed the Indians and stole their buffalo and stuff. I forgot. <laughs> so what is your day job? What's your background? Okay. So my day job, I work for a local fire department. Um, Mm -hmm. I was a firefighter and paramedic for over 10 years, and about two years ago, I moved into administration, and now my job is to manage and build community programs and develop coalitions, and basically, I, I identify problems in the community using data and studies, and then I go solve them. So I decided let's do that for data nerd. (laughs) <laughs> Good. Oh my God. So you you understand the the joy of watching a spreadsheet come together. Yes. Good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so other than campaign finance, what are some of your other core issues? Okay. So unity is one of them. I I get mm-hmm. asked all the time. Well, where will you caucus if you're a um, if you're an independent candidate? You have to pick a side. I don't think we should do that either. But that's you know. That's probably for the next campaign or the campaign after that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, everybody is concerned about education. That's kind of the new buzzword, uh, the new baby kissing is to say you're into education. Mm-hmm. I think that we have over-legislated education to death in Virginia. We are micromanaging teachers and treating them with suspicion instead of just letting them do their job. I think that it's a little bit ludicrous that... A bunch of people in legislation should even have an opinion on how a teacher should do their job. So we've got to we've got to ease off on that a little bit. I'm also concerned with um, how women's rights is written into our law. For instance, mm-hmm. for rape, there is mandatory minimum sentencing, which is mm-hmm. very hardcore, and that's you know great. We love to to throw the book at rapists, unless of course your rapist is your spouse. Then, not only is there no mandatory minimum sentencing, but the if it's their first offense, then the judge can tell them to go to counseling and they have zero mm-hmm. actual ramifications. But that's just their first time. So the second time it happens, then the victim has no reason to even come forward. I mean, why? So that's one way that it is truly written into our laws that your wife is property. It's It's archaic at best yeah barbaric at worst okay i'm on your website now Uh uh-huh and your philosophy on small government is Mm -hmm. probably one of the most well-written and easy to understand that i've ever seen like honestly wow (laughs) it's just so clear your examples the government should tell farmers that they can't have slaves work their fields the government should not tell farmers what crops to plant that's that's so easy that's so easy to understand (laughs) thank you thank you you know what there are so many things in politics that are just really obvious but get so complicated with all the ads and manipulative 
manipulation and the one-way communication that it just seems so simple. I think um, I was explaining to one person who was a uh, libertarian, actually, and mm-hmm. um, I always said I, I would be libertarian if not for them being completely ditching America entirely. Uh, the government <laughs> does have a job to do. You can't just right. be like, nope, no taxes, never, and the government should stay out of everything ever. So why are you there? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you, you need to do your job. So I told him I view government like I view medicine. And being a paramedic, I guess that kind of um, kind of goes hand in hand in that you want the least invasive intervention possible. But that doesn't mean that you should stop your intervention even though it's needed just because mm-hmm. you want to have as little as possible. It needs to match the need. Right now we're in great need. And that's where the partisan politics, I think, are, are getting in the way. There is a, a party that is a majority in charge and their credo is small government. So we've got to have hands off. Well, mm-hmm. but the government actually has a lot of work to do right now. So they're truly just abandoning their people by sticking to their club mentality of no 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 no, i have to be small government because that's what everybody wants even though it's your Mm -hmm. job to protect the people so yeah that's that's where we've just got to keep keep the government in its place but make sure that the government has its place i I kind of love that i (laughs) it's just it's just it just makes so much sense. It just makes sense. And I just Thank keep you. coming back to that. <laughs> <laughs> if people are hearing our conversation and uh-huh. are as jazzed about you as I am right now, um, how Aww, can they get involved you. with your campaign? If they're local, I would love to have them with me canvassing, going door to door. Um, I have purchased a booth at the Hanover Tomato Festival, and um, I will be having a listening booth there that um, I could use volunteers with. Oh, but listening booth, by the way, um, instead of, once again, one-way communication, um, instead of showing up at these community events and just passing out literature, I'm going to set up two chairs facing each other and have a big sign that says, come tell me what you think. And I'm just going to sit and listen to people all day long and, and hear what they have to say and let them yell at me if they want to and, and <laughs> you know, <laughs> write it down. I, I want to know, I want to know everything that's wrong with the world. Everybody has so many strong opinions right now and I need to hear them. I want to yeah. hear them, even those that I don't agree with, because the, the thing is, the views that I don't agree with all come back to the same desires and needs. When liberals and conservatives are just going after each other there's they're expressing the exact same needs so mm-hmm. i hear conservatives saying i don't want to pay for your baby mama well they're economically hurting they're getting upset that they're being taxed and because they don't have enough money mm-hmm. they truly believe that their economic problems are caused by poor people they genuinely believe that and they're economically frustrated but on the other hand poor people are also hurting and people on the liberal side are saying but but that's not actually where the economic problems are and we need to help these people and they're expressing the exact same thing they're economically hurting and they don't want money wasted and they're yelling the same needs but in sometimes horribly offensive ways at each other Mm -hmm. so i am open to being yelled at um sorry i didn't mean to get off topic too much yeah um so so i'm gonna need volunteers to help um gather a crowd and stuff and let people come on and and yell at me please don't call me names though i I don't i prefer (laughs) not to have that i am somebody's mother also 
yeah, like I said, canvassing. Um, if you want to contribute, like I said, I'm, I'm not doing any corporate fundraising. I haven't done any phone banking because that's just not my, my goal. I'm looking to be a game changer. I'm not going to beat anybody at their own game. So uh, small donations, anything that uh, somebody could spare if they're looking to change the way politics are done, this is the way to do it. So if we can prove that this is possible without a bunch of corporations purchasing our politicians, then mm -hmm. we win. So on my website, there's a, a donations page and uh, there's links to my PayPal and my CrowdPack fund where for crowdfunding. And also some groups have actually been sending me books of stamps. My mailing address is on my website huh. too. And you know, that helps out with mailers. And yeah. plus it just makes me happy because it's a small, you know, <laughs> It's just a small, like, present, you know? You open up and you're like, oh, I have pretty stamps now. And usually there's a, a nice note and in-kind donations work. That's so nice. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in the Virginia 97th district. Correct. Where, where is that? What, what locale? That is uh, in between Richmond and Williamsburg. Okay. There's not a whole lot um, landmark-wise. We have a winery. There's a winery in New Kent that everybody knows about that's, like, important. <laughs> um, <laughs> whenever I tell people where I'm from, they're like, oh, the winery. Yes, we have wine. Don't worry. That's Okay, wine is very important. Oh, right. I mean, <laughs> if we're going we're gonna to have crooked-ass <laughs> politicians, then we need to have wine. Oops, I said a bad word. <laughs> that, that might also help with your listening campaign. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> For anybody who's not local, where can they find you online? They can find me at johnsonfordelegate.com. Or awesome. um, I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. And my 14-year-old has introduced me to this Instagram thing that I'm figuring out. <laughs> um <laughs> I know hashtags. Okay, I had to learn that for work. So I, I'm down with the hashtag thing, but Instagramming is new. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Well, it, it helps for an online campaign if you have a 14 year old. Oh, yeah. She yeah. did my Facebook Live for my first um, speech. So yeah, if you guys want to hear me go on and on about more stuff, that's on my Facebook page too. Love it. How, how do your kids feel about mom campaigning? Well, my oldest is the... Um, the one who probably is most in tune. She's 14. Mm -hmm. And then I have a eight-year-old son and a three-year-old son. And uh, whenever I go to go to a meeting or something, I do my rounds, give the kids kisses and say, okay, guys, going to save the world. And uh, <laughs> last time my eight-year-old kind of rolled his eyes and said, yeah, okay, sure. And <laughs> <laughs> leave it to your kids to keep you humble. Um, yeah. And I just kind of looked at him, and I thought, you know, he actually was kind of sassy about it, and I probably should have told him, hey, be nice. But <laughs> there's a time for that. But instead, I just looked at him, and I said, watch me. Because <laughs> Love it. <laughs> that's what, you know, when I was uh, 18 years old, and I wanted to be a firefighter. My brother told me that I couldn't do it because girls should be nurses, and only boys should be paramedics mm -hmm. and so I gave him the finger and then went to the fire academy and my sister <laughs> kind of laughs that um you know if, if you want Corey to succeed in anything just tell her she can't do it and then watch her like <laughs> blow it out of the water <laughs> yeah then I'll overdo it so yeah um actually uh, my mother-in-law told me yesterday um grandma she watches my three-year-old from time to time she said uh that uh, Sammy that's my three-year-old said that his mommy is going to save the world 
Oh, yeah. So cute. You're, you're being a great role model for them. Thank you. Thank you. And my, my 14 year old, she actually um, identifies as LGBTQ. So she's really kind of figuring out this whole where the world is right now and how she fits into it. But she, she has been so delightfully oblivious until recently. Um, you know, uh, the Gavin Grimm case, the mm -hmm. uh, transgender boy, um, is just across the water from us. That's like a 20 minute drive. And um, so I asked her about it. I said, how, how do you feel about the idea that that you might not be able to use a bathroom that you're comfortable with. She kind of laughed. She said, oh, mom, you're the social justice warrior in this family, not me. <laughs> and, <laughs> and on one hand, I thought, kid, you have no idea like how relevant this is to your life, like you specifically. But then on the other hand, I said, okay, well, good. If, if she has the luxury of not caring right now, then this yeah. is good. But, oh, gosh, I wanted to just hug her. I was so proud of her yesterday. Um, she told me that she was at school and she heard uh, the school resource officer, the, the police officer at school, um, saw a couple of high schoolers hugging. Mm -hmm. And he said, stop, stop, you, you can't do that. And the guy is looking at him like, what? I'm hugging my girlfriend. And he said, yeah, but if you hug her, then everybody else is going to think that they can hug her without her consent. Okay. Uh, yeah. So she was telling me this like, what? And... Uh, I said, okay, um, <laughs> that's like, oh, he probably had good intentions, but that's not just swing and a miss. That's like swing yeah. and a miss and accidentally hit the umpire with a baseball bat. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he didn't just not succeed, but he did the opposite. <laughs> okay. But yeah, um, so he used the word consent. We'll call it. Yeah good That's but okay, the yes. idea that hugging somebody automatically removes their right to consent is not cool so we yeah. had to have the discussion about what consent actually means and she loves the metaphor about um drinking coffee it's mm -hmm. been all over the internet as tea but i told her well we're american i drink coffee so we'll do coffee <laughs> um <laughs> and so we happened to be sitting at the table there and, and i said you know if uh, dad goes and gets you a drink of water, that doesn't mean that I get to follow you around pouring water down your face. And, you know, and we had water there. And I said, you know, even if you come sit at the table with me and you have a glass of water in front of you, that doesn't mean I get to take that water and just stick it in your face. And I did. I took the glass of water, stuck it in her face, and we laughed hysterically. And so she's aware. She She's getting it. I think that um, when, she, when she has the pedestal moment that unfortunately everybody has when they realize all of the all of the right and wrong that they've been raised with and all of the things they learned in school about the moral superiority of America just doesn't actually exist when they realize that the law is literally written to not protect women when she has that moment, I think that the pieces are going to come together for her a little bit easier than perhaps somebody else who doesn't have that kind of information to be able to reconcile that lack of pedestal for America. Yeah, that's a, oh, it's a heartbreaking idea, but maybe, maybe she will get, get a couple more years of seeing so many amazing women around her 
just yes. fighting the system and fighting for what we want and what we deserve. Right. And I hope that she sees that as the norm. Yeah. I hope yeah. that she sees it's normal for women to not sit back and take it. Yeah. Hopefully. Here's hoping. Yes. <laughs> Lord knows I've, I've been the weird one my whole life. I heard plenty of people tell me that I should have been born a man. And I said, wait a minute. You mean because... Um, because I'm assertive and strong and independent since when are those male qualities? Yeah. Hey, listen, let's us weird girls have yeah. to stand up for each other. <laughs> for real. Yes. <laughs> I'd rather be weird any day. Agree. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been fantastic. Thank you for so much for talking to me. Uh, thank you. I've had a blast. Yeah, this has been great. And that's it for today's episode. Thanks to Corey for chatting with me. You can find out more about her and her campaign at johnsonfordelegate.com and on her campaign Facebook page, Johnson for Delegate. Thanks for listening to She's Running. I'm Emily Jackson, and I'd love to hear what you think of our show. Give me a shout on Twitter at at She's Running Pod. If you are enjoying the show, please tell your friends. Don't forget that if you rate, review, and subscribe to She's Running on iTunes, then you send me an email about it at she'srunningpod at gmail.com. I'll send you a She's Running button. You can find She's Running on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at She's Running Pod. You can also find all of our past episodes and show notes on our website, she'srunningpod.com. Next week, I've got a great interview with Sophia Pereira, Vice Mayor of Arcata, California, and Community Manager of She Should Run. Don't miss this one, y'all. It's good. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks. Talk to you soon.